We continue our study in 1 John, and today we are going to be in chapter 4. Let's begin reading in verse 1. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And this kind of addresses one of the purposes that John wrote this epistle to begin with. You remember that one of those uh, reasons that he gave was that we be not uh, deceived, that um, we won't fall victim to the seducers that are out there deceiving people. And he says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God or not. And he's addressing that Gnostic uh, philosophy that was just starting to to uh, show its ugly head. And there were people there that were denying that that uh, Jesus was born in the flesh. You know, he wasn't he wasn't flesh and blood, but he was spirit and they they said that everything that is carnal, everything that is flesh is is evil, and only spirit is good. They they kind of made those type of separations, and their lives were lived in the flesh, and they could excuse all of their indulgences and everything that they did, and claim that their spirit was good and everything. Just all manner of stuff that to our ears sounds crazy, you know, and it is kind of crazy. But they were deceiving and, and able to uh, cause a lot of problems in the church. And this is what was concerning, was concerning John. But he says this, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. The spirit of Antichrist is Antichrist is alive and well in in the earth. They're, the, the, the God-haters, the people who hate God, they hate his word. They despise uh, those that uh, uh, live uh, according to his word, and, and it's 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 prevalent and it's out there even even today and we've been told about this already and that's one thing about this chapter that we're into right now uh john's just kind of like revisiting some of the stuff he had already brought up before in the in the last verse of chapter three which we looked at at the last study it said it said this and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. We have the Holy Spirit. Amen. God has given us his Spirit. But you may be sitting there asking yourself, well, how do I know I have the Spirit? All this talk about uh, him in us, us in him, him abiding in us, us abiding in him, us in his word, his word being in us. He gives us his Spirit. Well, yeah, you know, but how do we know? What's the evidence? What's the proof that the Spirit of God is in us? And he said one of those evidences is that you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. <laughs> That's one of the proofs that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so those guys that were going around saying that Jesus was not born in the flesh that is, the, that is an antichrist spirit that uh, is at work. Now, for us today, we have to be careful because there are uh, people who go around today and they'll say, well, see, I'm saved. I confess that Jesus is born in the flesh 
and I'm saved. But here's the kicker. They may deny that he was born of the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? They deny his deity, that he is God. And so there's errors coming in the other direction. And see, we, we hear something like that today, and we know that it's all about uh, Christ. You know, God, Christ, Jesus Christ is both God and man. He is 100% God. He is 100% man. Amen. And uh, that is just basic christian theology 101 if you deny the deity of christ you cannot call yourself a christian if you deny the that jesus was born in the flesh you cannot call yourself a christian that's just you're not a witness to anything you're a bystander you're you're missing everything you cannot deny the trinity if you deny the godhead god the father god the son god the holy spirit then you cannot call yourself a christian and it's the spirit of god in us that bears witness to this when we hear something other than that truth your spirit you can discern the holy spirit will give you that type of discernment and you say nope i i i can't agree with that nope i can't i can't follow that that is foreign uh, to me and so one of the evidences that you have the spirit of christ in you that christ dwells in you his holy spirit dwells in you is you recognize this no he is god 100 percent god he is 100 percent man the godhead is made up of the father the son and the holy spirit anyone who denies the trinity is not of Christ. He is an antichrist. And so you'll hear a lot of people. Uh, they'll use scripture, they'll use the name of Jesus and everything else, and they sound kind of like, well, they know what they're talking about. But if they deny any of those things, they are not of Christ. They are an antichrist, a spirit. Now let's move on down to verse uh, verse 4 for a moment. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Ye are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That spirit, of, you know, it's spirit... Uh, to spirit you cannot understand the things of god without the holy spirit and so when you hear the things of god you can quickly identify it as being from god and that's what he's pointing out here but he says this ye are of god they are not they are of the world we are of god and therefore you hear us we're back to that and i think i brought it up earlier maybe it was in chapter two or something like that that true teachers true prophets are recognized as false teachers by false people true teachers true prophets of god are recognized as true by true people <laughs> you see and the reason that is is because of the holy spirit that is in us amen now look at verse 7 for a moment he said beloved let us love one another for love is of god and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In, 
In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Amen. Uh, just some profound truths there. Uh, a sermon in and, of, in and of itself. But one of the evidences that we have the Spirit, I mean, we if you need proof, how do we know that the Spirit of God dwells in us? Well, the first thing is, is you have this spiritual discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. That's the first thing he, he talks about. But then the other thing is this, you love one another. You love God and you love others. You love one another. And that's, that's what he's pointing out right there. And so, uh, you know, you have the Spirit in you because of this love that we have for one another. And uh, it's, just, it's just a great thing. Evidently, you know, those that, uh, uh, the false teachers that he was addressing here, there must have been some type of a hatred or something toward the things of God. And so that's what you'll find. You'll have people who profess to know God, but they, they, they're mean. And there's a hatred there. If you say something that goes against their little pet sins or something like that, uh, they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to get all mad <laughs> and everything. Uh, see, that's not going to be, that's not going to be us. The spirit of God is in us. The love of God is, is in us. Amen. Now we go here to verse 10 and it says herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And this love, you know, he uses this word a lot, but the, it's agape. Agape love is the type of love. It's the very sacrificial. I mean, we would not even know what love is had it not been for Christ, for Jesus and his sacrifice. He loved us that he sacrificed his life. It's a, it's a very sacrificial kind of love. We wouldn't even know what love is had it not been the for the love that Jesus demonstrated for us. Now he uses this word here in verse 10. It says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son, God loves us, amen, to be the propitiation for our sins. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that word propitiation for a moment. It's a word that we've seen previous to this. One of the other studies in chapter two or something, this word was brought up. And at the time, you know, we just called it, uh, it that he made payment for our sins. We just said he made payment for our sins. And that's what propitiation mean, means, that a payment has been made for our sins. Not only is, has our sins been forgiven, but a payment has been made for that. Uh, there's a story I want to draw your attention to found in Leviticus chapter 16 this is the story of the the scapegoat and uh, this story in leviticus 16 verses 7 through 10 this story illustrates the meaning here of to be the propitiation you remember in that story of the scapegoat you ever heard that word scapegoat um this is the uh, where the where the word comes from out of this story out of leviticus chapter 16 but Aaron, the high priest, he would come in and he'd cast lots and that he'd have two goats to be made. A sacrifice was going to be made. And so he'd have two goats and he would cast lots and whatever goat the uh, lot fell on was going to be the, the scapegoat. And so what uh, 
or, or was going to be sacrificed. And so what would happen is, is he'd take his hands and he'd go over and lay his hands on the, on the head of the goat. And it was to be to transfer the sins of the people into that goat. And then one goat would be turned loose, you know, and then the other goat, he would go and place his hands on that goat and that goat would be sacrificed. And so you had the picture of one, the sins were being transferred to the one goat and it would be loosed. It would be just turned off and let loose. And uh, that would represent the sins being forgiven part. But then the other, the sins being transferred to that goat would represent the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, uh, the payment being made for our sins. This, 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 there's two words here. Expiation has to do with your sins being forgiven. And you've probably heard these words before. I'm thinking you probably have at some point or another. But expiation has to do with that, that uh, the sins being forgiven part. The propitiation means that there's been a payment made for your sins. And so they're both covered right there in that story. And so think of that when you see that word propitiation in the future, and it'll help you kind of understand what it means. But herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Not only has your sins been forgiven, but a payment has been made. A blood sacrifice has been offered. And of course, for us, that uh, that uh, is Christ. It has been our propitiation for our sins. Now let's look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and, and his love is perfected in us. Ah, oh, man, thank you for the love of God. Amen. Bless God. Because God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen. I mean, if your sins have been forgiven, I mean, my goodness, just think of, just think of what you've been forgiven of. Amen. Do we not have some type of a obligation to love others as well? If God has loved us, are we not supposed to love one another? And then he says, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected. And so people, you know, they haven't been able to physically, literally lay eyes on God. But if they see the love of God working in us, if they see the love of God being perfected in us, then they, they will know that there is a God. There's other verses that say that this is how that they will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, this is something they're not going to see. That sacrificial love business, they're not going to find that anywhere in the world. It's only going to be exhibited through uh, the believers, those who um, God, his spirit dwells in them. And so they may not physically be able to lay eyes on God, but they've seen God through his love working through his children. Amen. Verse 13, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God dwelleth in him and he in God. And so there's, again, we're going back to that whole thing. How do you know the spirit of God dwells in you? First, you have that spiritual discernment that comes that, that only comes when the, the spirit, when the spirit of God dwells in us. So you have that spirit, spiritual discernment. And then you're going to love the, love the, the brethren you're going love is going to be a part of who you are so if you've got a love for god a love for the people and you have this discernment this spiritual discernment it's proof that god dwells in you but you remember when we were over there in those you know verses two or three he was sitting there talking about if you if you confess that jesus is born in the flesh then you are of God. But if you deny that Jesus is born of the, was not born in the flesh, well, then, then you're not of God. Well, over here in this verses 14, 15 and such, he's addressing the other side of that. He's addressing the deity of Christ. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And so we're right back to that. Earlier we were talking about those who deny that Jesus was born in the flesh is not of God. But over here in these verses, if you deny that Jesus is the Christ, if you deny that Jesus is God, his deity, then you're not born of God either. The Spirit of God does not dwell in you. So, so important, you know, where we where we are. And we know these things to be true because the Spirit of God dwells in us. Amen. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love of God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Amen. I mean, simple as that. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment he that feareth is not made perfect in love okay i want to i want to talk about that for a minute the type of fear he's talking about here is the fear of man and the fear the fear that he's talking verse 17 herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment uh, because as he is so are we in this world we're supposed to love as christ loves and earlier in one of the earlier lessons we even talked about that extends even to loving our enemies and all of this but we're going to have trials and we're going to have tribulations and there's going to be people that hate us. These God haters, this antichrist spirit that is loosed upon the earth. Well, there's going to be some persecution and, uh, and things that come along with that. And we're going to be able to face those things. It says, therefore is no, there is no fear in love because perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. He's talking about having the fear of man, that kind of fear. The fear of man is a sin. And the way that we conquer the fear of man is to have a fear of God. Amen. That's how we overcome the fear of man. That's how we overcome the fear of what man may do to us and things like that is through a fear of God. And uh, uh, we need to remember that. I've heard this verse used in the wrong way. I've, I've heard pastors preach this verse saying that we should not even fear God, you know, because the, that the, that uh, perfect love 
cast out fear, and they extend that to mean even to have a fear of God. But don't listen to that kind of stuff. That's not true. The remember in, in there's there's all kinds of verses like in Proverbs nine ten it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's other verses I think from Proverbs one about the about the the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is uh, is the beginning of knowledge. And there's all kinds of verses. But what they will often do is say, well, that's Old Testament. Old Testament is all about fear. The New Testament is all about love. <laughs> and uh, that's, what, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing you get thrown back at you. But let me remind you of this. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's New Testament. That's Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. No, don't, don't, don't be teaching that stuff and don't believe that stuff that we shouldn't fear God because we should fear God. And the way this works is that you can't, the fear and love is kind of like the opposite of the same coin. You know, if you fear him, you will love him. And if you love him, you will fear him. But don't, don't listen to those things, those lies that say that we shouldn't fear God. And many, many people are falling into this. I hear it. I hear it quite often. Well, I don't fear God. I love God. Well, me too. <laughs> I mean, I love God. We should love God. <clears throat> but that requires a fear. And I know some people kind of soften it by talking about a reverence, having a deep reverence. Well, yeah, of course, you know, have a reverence for God. But we're talking about fear. And that's what we need to be keeping in mind there. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But the perfect love that casts out fear is fearing what man can do to you, fearing what others are going to say about you, the persecution and the trials and the tribulations that are going to come. Uh, you can, you know, you, you can do those things. You can stand in the midst of the fire and not fear. Herein, uh, let's see, let me, verse, verse, uh, verse 19 now is where we, we, where, is where we are. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. Powerful verse right there. If, and that's the agape sacrificial kind of love. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. And he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? <laughs> I love that. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. And so that's how you know that the Spirit of God dwells in you and the spirit of god greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and the distinguishing thing is that spiritual discernment that comes from the spirit that can only come from the spirit and uh, so you're going to gain that try the try every spirit test every spirit whether it be of god or not those who deny that jesus came in the flesh are not of god those who deny the deity his deity is is not of him those who deny the trinity they they are not of him talk jesus all you want but if you deny those basic truths about jesus you are not a christian then the other evidence is that you have love love for god love for others love for the brethren love for people and if you have the love of god in you then that's proof that's evidence of the holy spirit dwelling in you as well bless you thank you for your studies and we pray this all believing in the name of Jesus. Amen.